Hello and welcome to yet another episode of How Not to Suck at the Stocks. This episode is about the plot holes in Rogue One, a movie that came out five years ago that anyone who is not a diehard Star Wars fan has completely forgotten about. Uh, but, uh, you know, I need to get to episode 75 by the end of the year, so if I have to fill it with Star Wars episodes, I'm going to fill it with Star Wars episodes, goddammit. So yes, uh, Rogue One plot holes. Uh, so, uh, number one. So there's this scene where the heroes are trying to escape from the planet Jedha. The Star Destroyer has just blown up the city of Jedha, and our heroes have to escape. And uh, the, the robot is like, oh, we need to wait for the calculations from the, the hyperspace computer, the data computer. And Cassian Andor is like, I'll do these calculations for you. And he, and he hits the, he turned into Obi-Wan for a second. And he hits the, the hyperdrive. And so, well, a couple things about this. Uh, one, it's like the oldest trick in the book is when you're introducing a new character that you want the audience to think is cool or badass or whatever, is like, just make them cooler than an existing cool character. Like, so we all like Han Solo, right? Han Solo waited for the information from the data computer before he made the jump to hyperspace in the original, like a pussy. Then here comes Cassian Andor and he just fucking does it, right? Or, you know, with Darth Vader and the Emperor. Like, you already know Darth Vader is a badass. And then, oh, here comes the Emperor who, like, you'll find the Emperor is not as forgiving as I am. And it's a cheap trick, but it works. I'm just saying, it's a cheap trick. That's really not the plot hole. The plot hole is they're able to make the jump to hyperspace while still in the atmosphere of Jeddah. And I saw this again in an episode of The Mandalorian where an Architans makes the jump to hyperspace from an atmosphere. And it's like, well, you, you can't really do that in Star Wars. I mean, I know Star Wars is made up, and you might say I'm a huge nerd with too much time on my hands, and well, that's true. But you can't do that in Star Wars. Uh, so if you go back to the original, why didn't Han Solo just escape from Mos Eisley by just entering hyperspace, like just right outside of Mos Eisley? Like why go into orbit and get chased by those Star Destroyers and all this business, all that jazz? Why not just make the jump from Tatooine? Or in Empire Strikes Back? What's the whole point of the Battle of Hoth? If those rebel transports can just make the jump while still in the atmosphere of Hoth, remember that whole scene where the, the one extra is like, two snub fighters against a star destroyer? And Leia has to explain how they're going to open up the shield, and you're going to get an escort, and like they're going to shoot a planetary ion beam at the star destroyer to take it out. It's like this whole big thing. And they have the Adat walkers and the snow speeders. This big old scene. Well, there's no fucking point to that entire scene if the rebel transports can just enter hyperspace while still in the fucking atmosphere. And if you go to Return of the Jedi, uh, there's this, this is more of an implication here. So uh, there's a scene on the bridge of a, probably the Super Star Destroyer where an officer asks, like, why aren't we engaging or whatever? And um, the guy in charge is like, oh, we're, our orders are just to keep them from escaping, meaning the rebels. Uh, the emperor has something special planned for them. And so how exactly are these Star Destroyers keeping the rebel fleet from escaping? Well, again, this is an implication, uh, but there's something called an interdictor. And this was just made up. I don't know who made it up. It's in the books and stuff. But basically, an interdictor is a special Star Destroyer that projects gravity so it has these gravity wells that prevent rebel ships and pirates and things from entering hyperspace. 
Uh, so that explains why it explains that line, how the Imperial fleet is keeping the rebels from escaping. But that line doesn't make any sense if gravity wells don't fucking keep you from entering hyperspace. And then let's go to everyone's favorite Star Wars movie, The Phantom Menace. So the, not the separatists, the Trade Federation blockade the planet of Naboo. Well, how the fuck do you blockade a planet if you can just enter hyperspace from the atmosphere? The only way a blockade would work is if you have to leave the atmosphere and then go beyond the planet's gravity well, which is what starships always do in Star Wars movies up until Rogue One. So anyway, for like, and again, I'm not saying, oh my God, it ruins the movie, it ruins everything, I fucking hate Star Wars now, I hope people die. Uh, no, it's just when I first saw it in the theater, I was just like, well, that, that that's not how that works. It, it, and I know most people like aren't as like into it as I am, obviously. But it's like if you're watching an old Western and a guy pulled out like a smartphone, you just be like, what? Like It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't mean the movie sucks. It's just like it's an anachronism. I mean, it's not an anachronism has to do with time. But anyway, uh, and then, OK, that's plot hole number one. It only, it only gets better from here, folks. Okay, so plot hole number two. Uh, let's go with uh, the Darth Vader one. So uh, Darth Vader puts his house on Mustafar, which when I first saw it, like, it was the one planet they didn't label Mustafar. Like they didn't label the location, and I was like, that can't be Mustafar. I'm like, really? Darth Vader put his fucking house on Mustafar, and you might be like, what's the big deal? It's a cool lava planet. Like, isn't that where a villain would keep his house? Like. Duh, it's in all the, the car- Saturday morning cartoons. That's how villains live. Okay, uh, this one's going to take a while to explain. Uh, so, Darth Vader's mom is buried on Tatooine. She's buried at the Lars homestead, uh, where Luke Skywalker lives. That's kind of an issue. So, basically what the Jedi said... This is the gamble they took. They said, let's hide Luke where Darth Vader's mom is buried. And we're just going to make this huge leap of faith that Darth Vader is never going to visit his mom's grave. It's a pretty big leap of faith. But there was a throwaway line somewhere. I don't know if it was in the movie or the novelization. Well, I know it wasn't in the movie. It might be in the novelization. In any case... I believe it's Yoda who says, well, that's where uh, Anakin's mother died, so the pain is just too great, and he's never going to return to Tatooine because of that. And it's like, fine. Like, you have to patch the plot hole somehow. Clearly, in the original movie, Darth Vader was not supposed to be Luke's father. Otherwise, why the fuck wouldn't you change Luke's name? Why? I mean, if he was just some guy's, if he was just some Jedi's son, then you wouldn't really have to change his name. Like, well, the Emperor killed a bunch of Jedi. doesn't mean they went for, like, the next of kin as well, you know? So, but anyway, if you make it so Luke's dad is Darth Vader, then it doesn't make any sense he didn't change his name. So, yeah, you just kind of need, like, a a line to throw it, like, yeah, whatever, you know? That's why, because Darth Vader's not going to visit his Tatooine. The pain is too great. Yada, yada, yada. Got it. Okay. But then he builds his fucking house where he murdered his pregnant wife. Like, what the fuck? And again, I realize, like, no one else watching the movie in the entire world had that thought but me. I get it. I get it. I get it. I know it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm just saying. Plot hole. Now I need to think. What is the third plot hole? I need to pause this. Ah, oh, yes. 
This is also an esoteric rant about Darth Vader's character. Uh, okay, so in speaking of him being in his lava world, so he chokes Krennic like, for basically no reason. Careful you do not choke on your aspirations. It's more like Jabba. Ho, 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 the mighty Chewbacca. Ho, 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 the Wookiee. That's pretty good. Should go on the road. Uh, in any case, um, let's see. Darth Vader, yeah, he chokes Krennic for no reason. And you see that, and you're like, yeah, Vader, he chokes a bitch. But at that point in time, Darth Vader really didn't choke a bitch for no reason. Actually, that would be an anachronism. At this time, it is an anachronism. And you might say, what, are you crazy? Like, Darth Vader chokes a bitch. Like, haven't you seen the movies? It's like, yes, I have. Way too many times. That's why we're doing this video. So I call this the Disney World effect. And I don't mean it's like this sanitized, kid-friendly version of Darth Vader. No. I, I mean, like, so when you go to a Disney world, there's going to be characters walking around, right? So Gaston from Beauty and the Beast walking around. If you're like, hey, Gaston, uh, what do you think of Belle? He'd be like, oh, she's hot. And if you're like, what do you think of the Beast? He'd be like, oh, he sucks. And if you're like, hey, Gaston, remember that time you fell off the cliff and died? He'd be like, wait, what? Because that character at Disney world exists in a moment of time that only exists in the audience's mind. Characters from stories, they, they tend to exist somewhere in the second act in our mind. So uh, going to Darth Vader, if, if I think, if I, if I say, hey, Darth Vader, you know, you probably don't think of the Darth Vader at the end. That's like, tell your sister, you were right. That's like Master Splinter all of a sudden. Oh, baby. That's, like, that's more like Jabba the Hutt. Anyway, impersonations aside. So, uh, Darth Vader. You don't think of him as, like, the reformed Darth Vader at the end, right? You know, if a kid comes trick-or-treating and he's dressed like Darth Vader, you'd be really confused if he's like, Tell your sister you were right about me. You'd be like, what? Who the fuck? Darth Vader never says that. But he does. It's just at the end, so you kind of forget it. And you also forget how Darth Vader started in the movies, which... I'm not going to say like a sniveling coward, but he was definitely someone the Imperial officers did not respect in that original movie. If you go back and watch the original movie, it's kind of awkward. Uh, so he's walking down a hallway and this mutton-chopped Imperial officer is just talking back to him. He's like, she'll die before she tells you anything. Holding her is dangerous. And it's like, who is this man who speaks to me as if I needed his advice? But Darth Vader just... It rolls right off his back. He doesn't care. This Imperial officer is just totally talking back to him. He's just like, leave that to me. And then this other mutton-chopped Imperial officer just totally interrupts. No salute, no hesitation, no fear. And he just gives the report about how, like, the, the, the fucking lifeboat hit the planet and there was no life forms aboard and whatever. So, like, no one really gives Vader, like, all like this measure of respect. I always got the impersonation, or sorry, the impression, Freudian slip, that uh, it was almost like the SS relationship with the German military during World War II, where like, yeah, a military officer might technically outrank an SS officer, but the SS officer might have more political clout, so perhaps it created like this dynamic. Pardon me. So with Darth Vader and the Imperial Navy, I always kind of thought it was like that, where the Imperial officer is just kind of, I can't think of the word. They just kind of put up with Vader being around. They just kind of tolerated him. That, that's it. They just kind of tolerated his presence aboard 
uh, the Death Star. And so there's the famous scene where it has all that nice juicy exposition uh, where all the Imperial officers are sitting around in the conference room. And that's the famous scene where Darth Vader chokes somebody. So I'd be like, what are you talking about? He always chokes people. It's like, yeah, but like, listen to the buildup before the choke. Like, so Mahdi, uh, he's like, oh, this, de- this space station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. And Vader's like, don't be so proud of this technological tear you've constructed. The ability to destroy a planet is insignificant next to the power of the Force. And Mahdi goes... Don't try to frighten us with your saucer's ways, Lord Vader. Your sad devotion to that ancient religion does not help you gather up the stolen data tapes or giving you clairvoyance enough to locate the rebels hidden. And like, that's when he chokes. But listen to all the shit he just talked. Like, Vader would be a total pussy if he didn't choke him at that point. And if you look around the room, like, as this exchange is going on, as Mahdi's talking back, the reaction of the Imperial officers is not like, oh shit, he's going to get it. The Imperial officers are just kind of like blase about the whole thing. And when Vader starts choking him, the other Imperial officers are like, whoa, what the fuck? And like Tarkin's the only one that's like, ah, okay, I got to put this guy back on the leash. And so anyway, my impression from that is that Vader was kind of this broken man that people disrespected. He was a slave in his own body. And it was finding out that he had a son that was powerful in the Force that rejuvenated him and like gave him hope that he could overthrow uh, the emperor. And that's, of course, like the in-story reason. The real reason Vader changed so much from the original Empire Strikes Back is because he became a cultural phenomenon, and you have to, you have to up his importance as the story goes on. That's why he goes from just being like a guy in a Halloween costume to being like fucking space Jesus by the time the movies are fucking done. But anyway, so going back to, to Rogue One, like it's really out of character. Like him just choking Krennic for no reason. It's like that's really not how he behaved in the original movie. I feel like it's an inconsistent character arc. And uh, look, I'm not saying I don't like Rogue One. I do. I, I love Rogue One. I think it's a great movie. I put it, I put it way up there. Um, I love Han Solo, too. Um, I, I, mean, I, just think, I think this is why people are more drawn to TV shows than movies, because I think TV shows lend themselves better to long stories. I think there's more continuity in TV shows. Uh, I think there's greater care. I think the story arcs are more developed. I think you can get a richer character development in a TV show. I think it, it almost approaches like a novel as far as the level of exposition and development you can really fit into a multi-season TV show as opposed to a series of films, even when you have many films. So anyway, uh, you know, the point of this story is just if you work at Lucasfilm, just get my permission before you make a new movie and let me sign off on all the major, actually not all the major, just all like just the little intricacies. Every time you have someone enter hyperspace, just write me and ask me if it's okay if you have that character enter hyperspace. Uh, Just get my permission first. That's that's literally all I ask. Okay. Uh, Thank you. This has been Dan Hanson. This has been How Not to Suck at the Stocks, and you have a great day. Bye-bye.